Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Final Furlong Podcast with Emmett Kennedy is proudly brought to you by All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app and get involved today. All About Sunday, we love racing. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. Kaluki offer betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, with instant withdrawals and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kalugi also have betting pitches at tracks across the UK. Join us now at kalugisportsbook.co.uk. And welcome to Royal Ascot Day 4, where the coronation will be the feature race. Delighted to say the time forms. Mark Milligan joins us on the Final Forum Podcast. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Yes, good to be back. And oh, this is, uh, for me... This is the best week of the year, isn't it? You can you can have your Cheltenham. <gasps> For me, Royal Ascot is just the best racing week of the year. Um, I, I just it just does not get any better than this. I'm sorry, but every final Furlong podcast listener just went. It's a fantastic bit. I love it. How dare you have a go at Cheltenham? We're not having that. But uh, no, no, don't, don't get me wrong. I wasn't having a go at Cheltenham. No, I was okay, just. I'm okay. sat here in my in my top hat and tails, and I, I'm drinking my uh, Moet et Chandon, oh. and I am looking forward to a tremendous week of flat racing. Um, side disclaimer: I'm not actually in a top hat and tails. I'm actually in some lounge pants and a t-shirt. Nothing wrong with that, and a uh, beautiful pronunciation of Moet as well, which is the correct pronunciation. And uh, those of the, the Final Forum Podcast Posse, they know what we're talking about. And it's going to be Moet flowing left, right, and centre by the time we're finished Friday, because the gravy's going to be flowing. We're taking the schlitz off the bookies' rooms. Uh, don't forget, Kaluki will be there at Ascot. Watch out for their pitches and uh, go up to him. Ask him for a price in a specific race. If you don't ask, you're never going to know, but say hello to them. And, um, yeah, uh, try and take all that money. Uh, see if you can. And if you don't ask for a price, you're not going to get it. All right. Uh, the first race we're going to talk about, full disclosure, Aidan O'Brien has made it very clear and said it on the Final Forum podcast on Friday that they would make no decision about Statuette until as late as possible. That being said, as we record on Monday, she is still in. And she has closed in the betting market. Uh, she had gone out to nine to two, and is now clipped into eleven to four with Kaluki, which is pretty much best price. It's five to two about her stable companion M- Mediate, who is intended to run, uh, and then you've got Queen Ollie, Eights, Lady Bullet, Pillow Talk, who was referenced earlier on. Um, we should give her a, a quick mention as well. But that being said, if Statuette lines up. You and I are going to be all over it, Mark. Oh, she's a tremendous filly, I think. I was so impressed by her debut win. The length of stride on her, she looks a lot like her daddy, Justify, who was American Triple Crown winner. 
Um, she's absolutely bred in the purple. Her dam was also a Group One winner. She's she's just got everything that you want in a potentially top class filly and I'm really hoping she turns up here because she'll be one of my strongest bets of the week if she turns up in this. Ooh, yeah, her dam won the coronation. So it, it's quite fitting that she's running in the Albany on Coronation Stakes Day. Uh, her dam is a mortal verse which makes her a half-sister to Tenebrisium who will also be running. So her sibling's running uh, on that card as well and of course that was confirmed by Aiden that she'd be lining up in the Coronation and not the Commonwealth instead. Uh, she just seems to have everything. everything. And um, the question is whether or not she runs. Aiden was saying that they would leave it as late as possible. She's a big beast of a horse, as you were saying, and it's because it's that very factor that they're they wanted to wait. I suspect she runs because of the ground. If they don't water, if they leave it as it is, I think the good to good to firm ground would bring out the best turn. I think they'd let her go on that. Um, so we'll we'll see how it plays out. Uh, you and I are going to be all over her. The alternative, if she doesn't run. Yeah, it's interesting because um, you've already mentioned the the other Aidan O'Brien. I wouldn't be quite as keen on her. For all, she's done nothing wrong in her two starts. But I was I was most impressed by Saeed Bin Saro's Morge on debut. She absolutely battered um, a field by nearly five lengths at Newmarket there. She beat a filly called Believing, who came out and did something herself that was quite extraordinary at Wolverhampton on her next start when she was left 10 lengths at the start and still managed to win. Um, the third horse distinguished lady didn't do an awful lot for the form when we put her up at uh, Beverly a couple of weeks ago, but Morge could hardly have been more impressive. And it's been a while, hasn't it, since Saeed Binsaro's had a, a really top-class juvenile, but she could be a good one. Yeah, it is, and he's he's gone public about that as well. But where, why is Charlie Appleby getting all these horses and I'm not? Uh, to take it back to that uh, James Doyle controversy. Poor old James. Um, but yeah, she looks really, really good, and... I respect Mediate. I respect her. Respect her, but I would, I would be keen enough to take her on at the price she is. And um, it is intriguing to see that Maj is coming in for support. Uh, One hundred to thirty is the price of a Maj, M A W J with Kaluki for the Albany. The second race we'll talk about is the Commonwealth Cup. A terrific addition to Royal Ascot, as we've made it clear over the years. Uh, Kaluki are going four to one which is the best price about Perfect Power. Fives about El Caballo. Eraz, 13-2. Twilight Jet is finally getting the respect he deserves. 8-1 to one, uh, from 14s last week. Go Bears go, 8s. And Slipstream is 9s. Uh, this is a tremendous renewal of the Commonwealth Cup. It's uh, in that it's a very open, very exciting renewal of the race. What's your thoughts, Mark? Yeah, it really is. Um, if all the main protagonists turn up and run to their best. We're going to have tremendous sprint contest here. I'm with El Caballo, who's just an absolute win machine. And one of the main reasons that I like him is because he's got really high-class synthetic track form. And synthetic track form converts really well to the straight track at Ascot. We find so many horses who do well on the all-weather, on Tapita, on Polytrack, transfer that form over to Ascot's straight track. And 
that seems to have been a knock-on effect from when it was relayed quite a few years ago. And from that point onwards, the all-weather horses started doing really well on Ascot's straight track. So I'd always be keen to be with a horse that had shown really good all-weather form. And he's just a win machine, isn't he? He's won his last six starts. He doesn't win by massive margins, but he really sticks his neck out and gets the job done. He's a really likeable horse, and Carl Brock Sprinters are in tremendous form. Uh, what do you make of Tiber Flow? Uh, and the reason I mention this is we've obviously talked quite a bit on the podcast about the, the form of his trainer, um, which has just been absolutely uh, electric. But there is there was very little between the two uh, at Newcastle, and then he got the, the verdict at Newbury, uh, beating Eras. And I don't quite understand why... Uh, Eraz is six to one, and Tiber Flow is the price he is, and he has a he has all that experience of all weather form as well, so he can bring that in too. But he's a much bigger price for Tom Marquand and William Haggis. Yeah, on all weather championship day, there was literally nothing between El Caballo and Tiber Flow. Tiber Flow probably get, got going just a little bit too late that day, and he was beaten a short head. He then beat Eraz by a short head himself. So. You know, that you can make an ar- argument for both Tiberflow and Eras for being as good as El Caballo. I just like the fact that El Caballo, just, he just likes to win. But I'm kind of with you in terms of prices. I don't think Tiberflow is possibly getting the respect he deserves. Yeah, at the price he is, and you can get 12 to 1 with Kaluki. I'll take the 12 to 1 about Tiber Flow. Thank you very much. But for you, sir, it's El Caballo. Yeah, I like El Caballo's attitude. Um, he, he doesn't win by far, which probably masks his true ability to a certain extent. I just like horses that can turn up and get the job done like that. Let's do the reverse forecast. They've uh, butted heads and come close already. Why not again? Um, that'll pay a nice few quid, I should imagine. Uh, Tiber Flow and uh, El Caballo in a reverse forecast. Uh, El Caballo for Mark, Tiber Flow for me. Let's go. Uh, Duke of Edinburgh Sticks, 340 at Ascot. So the betting with Kaluki uh, sees Gissy uh, fives, just fine fours. It's just been clipped, actually, by the team there. Uh, Trollerman is eights, Candle for twelves, ever, ever present 14s. And won the Maltaban 14s. All right, sir, take it away. We're into the Duke of Edinburgh. G. Mile four. G H in a H, Claxon. Group G-H horse in, in a, a handicap. Let's go, my son. Talk to me. Garcia, William Haggis, Tom Marquand. He beat just fine on his seasonal reappearance in a handicap at York last month they had this horse entered in the hardwick stakes they were going to run him in the group two hardwick stakes but they've decided off a mark of 101 that he'd be better off going for the duke of edinburgh and who are we to argue with william haggis if he thinks he's got a potential group horse that's got a rating of 101 in a handicap i'm going to be all over garcia in here Tom Marquand, William Haggis, getting the job done for us in the 340 at Ascot, Gassy, and 5 to 1 is the price you can get with Kaluki. And let me tell you, that price is going with other firms. He's as short as 7 to 2. 
but you can get fives with Kaluki if you act fast. At time of recording, that's what the price is. Uh, so the feature race of the day is the coronation. You could argue that the feature race of the day should actually be the Commonwealth, but that's an argument for another day. Uh, homeless songs. As far as I know, and we were talking about this beforehand, as far as I know, Dermot Weld was very much of the mindset that they needed cut in the ground to let her run. Um, it was good to yielding, and she has one on good, so maybe they'll let her take her chance. Uh, but if it's good to firm, possibly not. She's been usurped at the top of the betting, which is is the intriguing thing. Uh, in Spiral, who we spoke to John Gosden about last week, uh, last Friday on the show, it's in the Aidan O'Brien stable tour. Uh, so John Gosden tags on to the end of that, talking about the violin, Stradivarius, and uh, we get an update on In Spiral as well. So she's six to four with Kaluki, who have taken homeless songs out of the market. Now you can request a price, and I think... It was something around three to one, I think. Something along those lines. Cache Fours, the 1,000 Guineas winner. Prosperous Voyage, eight to one. Discoveries, who I really like for Jessica Harrington, eight to one. And Grand Dame, twelves. Now, this is given the fact that we have Homeless Songs who looked an absolute monster in the Irish 1,000 Guineas when doffing up Tuesday and then goes and wins the Oaks. Uh, if she is to be allowed to take her chance, then she's going to be the, the star of the show. But in Spiral coming back is obviously a, a key player as well. And Dermot Weld has yet to finalise whether or not Homeless Songs is actually going to be allowed to take her chance here. Uh, what's your overall view on the race? Yeah, my overall view is pretty much the, the same as you there. I mean, in the Homeless Songs, I think she's a bit of a monster, isn't she? I think she's, she's probably up there with the best... Um, of her generation at the moment, including sort of Caribus and, and Native Trail. If she takes a chance, I think she's going to prove very, very tough to beat. The problem is, and it's not often we, we talk about this as a problem, is that the, the weather forecast is set fair all week, isn't it? <laughs> I think we're going to get glorious sunshine, temperatures touching 30 degrees. Oh, no. It's unlikely... There's, there's not going to be any cut in the ground, is there? So it's unlikely at this stage, I think, that, that she'll be allowed to take a chance. I wanted to take on in Spiral, just because she's been off the track a long time. They clearly weren't happy with her in the spring. Um, will she have trained on? For me, she if Homeless Songs doesn't run, she goes off quite a short price favourite, and there's going to be enough doubts over her, I think, for me to want to take her on. So I'm going... I'm going international here, and I'm going to go with Mongustine from France. Talk to me. Who beat Cachet, um, our own 1,000 guineas winner, by a head mm. in the French 1,000 guineas last time. I think she's a double-figure price at the moment, whereas Cachet is about half her price, which surprises me somewhat. So if Homeless Songs the French, I can confirm the, up, the French filly is indeed tens with Kaluki right now. Yeah, I'm I'm more than happy to take that each way should she turn up. As I say, I, I have no idea why she would be much bigger than Cachet in the betting having beaten her last time. I think it's a very, very fair shout. Um, there's obviously intriguing international runners in the sense that you've got uh, Pizza Bianca coming over from America. Pete has made his, his views on, on her pretty clear. Um, and you can listen back to our breakdown of the Americans uh, including Spenderella, who William Buick has been booked for, uh, which is very intriguing. And uh, Aidan talked about Tenebrisium. So 
I started off by asking him, is, is it possible that you'll actually give her another chance at a mile in, in the coronation as opposed to going for the Commonwealth, which she was a shorter price for? To which he said yes. Um, and I hadn't asked him beforehand. So it was just in my head. I wonder, will they give her one more go? And to be fair to her, she will actually get her ground. Um, I know that she had good to from ground at Newmarket, but I don't think that was a run. She was very heavily supported in the market that day. And she's uh, she's out of a coronation winner um, and, and by a Royal Ascot winner in Caravaggio. Do you see Tenebrisium as, as a horse who could be a little bit under underestimated here? Yeah, I think she she probably will be because she'd basically done little wrong, had she? She won her first two starts. They were 181 days apart. She was then off another 218 days. She was sent off favourite for the, the 1,000 guineas and probably was just a little bit underwhelming there, I would say. I, I just wonder if she's, she's a little bit tricky to train and will she appreciate rattling fast ground that might be another question mark for me Hmm. an intriguing one Um, you'd imagine that she would considering that she handled it as a two year old um, but she won very early I think it might have been opening day of the season she won pretty early last year uh, and then missed the, she, they were getting her ready for Royal Ascot and she picked up an injury and they got her back just in time for Newmarket and that really was just to give her a sighter of Newmarket and off she goes and wins after blowing the start. Um, so she then becomes Ryan Moore's selected mountain in the 1,000 guineas. Frankie Dettori was on Tuesday and you know Tuesday obviously ran a, a, a cracker but the fact that they're going to go again with her suggests to me that they feel as though they can, they can take a prize of this and you're getting compensated. With uh, with fourteen to one, um, which is the actually uh, apologies, apologies, as the wrong price. Sixteens with Kaluki, punish them, punish them. Sixteen to one is a massive price. It's the kind of price that I would take win only though, because I, I feel that Tenebrisium is not an each way bet. I think she's either going to win or she's going to bomb out. Um, it's a big price for a filly who was sent off favorite for a classic just forty seven days ago, and that's my logic. And I, I really like Discoveries, but I would much prefer to back Tenebrisium. Um, now, there could be an element of US Navy flag here. It could be that let's go for a mile one more time to see. You know, He almost got it in the Irish 2000 Guineas. Maybe he'll get it in the same chance as Palestics. Oh, crap, he didn't. But God, he was very fast for the first five furlongs. Let's go for the July Cup. And then he wins the, the, the sprint. So... It could very well be the case that her her light will really shine when she returns to Newmarket in July, but it may also be the case that this is her her great opportunity. So let's let's see how that pans out. Um, final selection for you. You're going with the the French Raider. Yeah, assuming Hona Songs doesn't run, you'll go with the French Raider. Doesn't run. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Mangustine. Okay, and if Hona Songs runs, she's a solid moral. Absolutely load up. Load up, up and down the lines all day long, cleaning the schlates off Kaluki's offices. Uh, Cronell is at nine to one with Kaluki for our next race, the Sandringham handicap. Uh, Heredia is just been clipped into eight to one as I speak. Uh, Persist twelves, Fresh Hope twelves, and Lullaby is surprisingly a twelve to one shot. Uh, right, so we're talking about the Phillies this time. What's your take, my friend? 
Yeah. Do we have, I'm going to ask you now, do we have a price there for Invigilant? Yes. 16 to 1. That sounds pretty good to me. As a filly who is a full sister to Breeders' Cup Mile Expert Eye, yes, none other than Breeders' Cup Mile winner Expert Eye, she could be absolutely chucked in here off a mark of 82. She was second on her seasonal reappearance at Nottingham last time to Wash Ra, who could well line up in this race again. But given that we know Sir Michael Stout doesn't generally have his horses cranked up for their first start of the season. I'd be confident that this filly will reverse form with Washra in here. She's likely going to need one or two to come out if she's going to get a run down there off a mark of 82. But if she does get a run, she could be really well handicapped off that sort of mark. Yeah, she's currently number 32 on the list, so she needs a... Needs a little bit of help from defectors. Uh, with that in mind, uh, and given that the, the maximum field for the race is 30, uh, so she only needs a couple, who would be the alternative? Yeah, I'm going to look more towards the top end of the handicap for an alternative. And Roger Varian's Zanbach, who's a daughter of Oasis Dream. She won at Haydock last time, a novice contest. She only won by a length and a quarter there, but she quite impressed me in the way that she did it. I think she's potentially better than a handicapper going forward. She's rated 99 at the moment. I think she can make a mark in listed races or even group three races going forward. So she would be of interest for me. And we know up there towards the top of the handicap, she's one that's definitely going to get a run. She should do. Um, each way selection, meanwhile, Neil Callum will be on board for Marco Body. Uh, and it's the first time that the horse runs for Marco Body, transferred from um, the Middle East, uh, transferred from Dubai. So uh, Minwa would be my selection, uh, daughter of Cupid, out of a belong to me mare. And um, perhaps Neil Cannon will be uh, shooting the lights out in the winner's enclosure at Ascot. Right, the 535, the King Edward, the seven stakes. So Aidan O'Brien was saying they're probably not going to have a runner in the race. Uh, that being said... It's a sea of blue, as we record, for changing of the guard. So perhaps there has been a change of heart. But bear in mind that Aidan O'Brien said in the final final podcast on Friday, I'll have one runner in the Queen's Vaz, Anchorage. And then went into detail about the horses run at the Curra on Irish Guineas weekend. And a few of you were DMing me today going, got the 20s, thanks. Uh, and a couple of traders were on to be going, Bollocks, because uh, now all of a sudden the market is seven to one Anchorage uh, this morning. I think fourteens, and then they were like, "Oh crap!" Uh, apparently, other horses were being supported, and he told you it's the the market. The amount of times an Ada Brown horse will drift and then go and win is insane. Um, so you heard it from the horse's mouth, and hopefully you're on board, uh, and hopefully Anchorage gets the job done. We'll we'll see, but in terms of this race. Proceed with caution. Maybe he's going to have a runner. Maybe not. But he he did warn that they wouldn't. Uh, Anchorage is, is still entered in this race, but we know he goes for the Queen's Vaz. Um, Ottoman Fleet is meant to go elsewhere. And <clears throat> there's a very interesting uh, contender in, in this race as well, my, my good man. Uh, Hu Yamal, 
who's also a Sea of Blue. And I wonder, is this a case of, uh, this is the major bookmakers are all coming up with reasons as to how they can then like, gut prices afterwards. But if uh, Huyamal was to go and, and run in this race, um, I don't think he will. He, he, he might, but I don't think he will. He has just been sold at the Ascot Horses and Training Sale for £1.2 million. So he's going to be winning the Triumph Hurdle, yeah? <laughs> That's more money than sense. That's ridiculous. I mean, fair play, but dear God. Uh, what is your opinion on the King and the Seven Sticks? Do you remember back in the... They, in the 80s, there was a program, I don't know if you had it in Ireland or not, called Sale of the Century. Um, uh, I remember the a, name, but I don't remember the show. It, it was a quiz show. I think it was presented by Jimmy Tarbuck, and they had a voiceover man called Jeffrey. This, and I know how whenever, I know this. this. This would have popped up on like uh, like BBC highlights, and it'll be all right in the night and that kind of stuff, but I never, I didn't see it live. Yeah, and one of, one of um, the catchphrases here was we have a difference of opinion jeffrey <laughs> and that's exactly that's exactly what we've got here because we've got a horse who's got an official rating of 95 in here who's unbeaten in two starts so the official handicapper has, has taken a look at this horse the horse is elder elder of trained by roger varian and said okay i think he's worth a rating of 95 in amongst a field of horses who are rated generally anywhere from sort of 100 to 116. At time form, however, oh. we have Elder Elderoff rated 110 with, and wait for it, a large P attached oh. to that rating. Boom. Let's suggesting go. that he could be capable of significant improvement. We don't hand out these large P's willy-nilly. They have to be earned. And what we're generally projecting is anywhere between 10 and £14 improvement when a horse has a large P. And if Elder Elderoff improves between 10 and £14 in here, you're talking a Group 1 horse, basically, in a Group 2 field. Yes, he's unproven. But the novice he won at uh, Newcastle last time, let's just take a look at this. The third horse won next time. The seventh horse won next time. The ninth horse won next time. We are talking rock-solid form in here. And Elder Elderoff absolutely smashed that field up. He cost a lot of money, cost nearly half a million pounds. What? He's unbeaten in two starts. He's got the time form large P, and he's a decent price. He's by Dubawi out of a see the stars mare. He's bred to be an absolute superstar. I'm all over Elder Elderoff in the King Edward the Seventh. Ooh, it's hard to disagree with that. It's hard to disagree with that. Um, I know that he has alternatives. If he wasn't to rock up, who would be not to bust your bubble? Who who would be your alternative? Yeah, it would be a, a tricky race to decipher, certainly at this stage, wouldn't it, if he, if he doesn't rock up, because we don't know if changing of the guard is going to turn up. Puyamal has just been sold. We're not absolutely certain he's going to turn up. Probably makes Will more Nahari. sense for him to run here, to be fair, than run in, in the 
10 furlong handicap in, instead or the 10 furlong group three. So he probably, Huyamal is probably a runner, but I don't necessarily want to be taking, uh, what was the price of a Huyamal? Seven to two? Yeah, no thanks. I'm not interested in seven to two about the Derby runner up. We've seen this all too often. Uh, horses finish second in the Derby. And it turns out they're absolutely rubbish later on. So no thanks. Yeah, uh, we, we've got, as I say, we've got the the possibility, haven't we? That um, Elder Elderoff, I, I I love this horse, but there's a a distinct possibility he might not turn up. I think he's actually been declared for the Queen's Vase, hasn't he, on Wednesday? Ooh, he has. Uh, I I'm, I believe. This was the alternative, but yeah, he has been declared for... for he has been declared, so you would right. assume he's going to run in that. In which, which case, is, you're uh, all over him for that. Yeah, absolutely. That's just burst my bubble for Friday. It's intriguing, because David Egan is, is jocked <laughs> up on him for Friday, so it's it's interesting that they... he It's a jockey booking, but at the same time, he's actually been declared for... Yeah, for they, they, they had him jocked up for, for Wednesday. They've declared for Wednesday. They're still going jocked up for Friday as well. I think in the absence of Elder Elder off, because obviously he's going to win the Queen's Vars on Wednesday now, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stick with Charlie Appleby and William Buick and Ottoman Fleet, who's really lightly raced and was very, very impressive last time, winning a listed race at Newcastle. He only won it by half a length, but I think he had more in hand than that half a length suggests, and he's definitely going the right way. Yeah, I'd be inclined to agree with you there. Uh, the final race then is the Palace of Hollywood Stakes, class two, over five furlongs. They'll be flying along. Um, and over the flying five at uh, Royal Ascot, what are your thoughts, my man? Yeah, to stick with the theme of horses that won't run, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was looking at Mitt Barhe in here. Now, you don't have to cast your mind back a couple of days to see Mitt Barhe impressively winning the Scurry Stakes at Sandown where he beat Katura, but he travelled all over Katura on Saturday. And if he was to turn up in here off a mark of 103, I think he'd be something of a, a handicap snip. The doubt is, is he actually going to turn up? Is he going to back up that quickly? Didn't seem to take a lot out of himself on Saturday, but I'd be doubtful at this stage whether he's going to turn up and then they're maybe just going to give him a little bit more time and, and aim for something a bit further down the line. If we take Mitt Barhe out of the race, this is absolutely wide open, isn't it? I'd probably just side with Ken Condon's Drombeg Banner, who's done absolutely nothing wrong in two starts this season, winning both and could still be fairly handicapped off 96. Yeah. Uh, the Wesley Ward runner, Ruthen, who, of course, we saw at Wild Ascot last year, was sent off 3-1 to favourite, didn't quite go to plan, uh, but forms part of his pretty strong team this year. She's a, a daughter of Ribchester, and she won by a neck. Given your expertise in, in US racing, uh, what's your take on, on Ruthen? Yeah, I... I to be honest, I was a little bit disappointed by that that win at Keeneland. I was expecting more from her that day. But when you look at her price, she went off just over 8 to 1. So presumably, they felt that they didn't have her completely on her A game for there. So she probably won despite not being at, at full fitness. I just wonder... 
she's probably handicapped right to the hilt on 105, I would say. I think she's going to find it tricky to give the weight away to a, a field of, of decent sprint handicappers. I wouldn't be in a rush to back her at single figures, put it that way. Yeah, I wouldn't be either. She's currently 5-1 to one, um, with with Kaluki, and uh, I don't blame them for, for going that price. It's a Wesley Warhorse over five furlongs. Maybe it's not the strongest of, of races, and it's good to firm ground. Ribchester's having a great season. Why not? But I, I'd be looking elsewhere. Um, this then brings us to the question of what exactly is your best bet of the day? Now, I know what your best bet, what you want to be the best bet. The question is, does she run? Uh, a statuette would obviously be your best bet, but we'll, we'll table that. We'll say we'll both nap statuette if she, if she runs. If she doesn't, who's the best bet for you? Provided Statuette doesn't run, then my best bet will certainly be Garcy in the Duke of Edinburgh. We've seen this time and time again from William Haggis, where he has horses that go on to prove themselves group class in the future, but he mops up some valuable handicaps along the way. I think it was really telling that he had this horse entered in the Hardwick Stakes, but he's chosen to go down the handicap route here. So in the Duke of Edinburgh, Garcy will be my best bet on the Friday. Love it. Absolutely love it, particularly given the price the horse is. Tenebrisium. She's too big a price. She's far too big a price. Uh, Tenebrisium for the coronation. And hopefully will be a coronation coronating a... I have no idea. Hopefully we'll just be popping the bottles of Moa that Mark's got lying around his house and buying vintage bottles of it as well and having a coronation of our own to celebrate all the gravy that's flowing. Uh, that is day four, locked and loaded for you. Hopefully you enjoyed this edition of the Final Furlong Podcast. Don't forget you can hear me on TalkSport 2 uh, throughout the week and of course more great Royal Ascot content on the way for you. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, Oshie Murphy will join us to break down days one and two. Uh, possibly three and uh, Neil Callan will be here as well uh, Darren's going to come in too and we'll do a special with him looking back in Royal Ascot so looking forward to that more from Mark to come Saturday Royal Ascot the best bets are in the next podcast talk to you soon enjoy Royal Ascot the final furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by our official syndicate partner all about Sunday the latest trainer to join our ranks is Donald McCain to join us download the app or visit allaboutsunday.com the ultimate racehorse ownership experience and by our official betting partner Kaluki Sportsbook Kaluki offer betting on all sports immediate interaction with experienced traders with instant withdrawals and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki also have betting pitches at tracks across the UK, including additional ones at Cheltenham. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk.